I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message. Psalm 14, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 from the Contemporary English Version. Psalm 14, if you're using an electronic device and you can pull up various translations, look for the Contemporary English Version, or CEV. Psalm 14. The Psalter says, Only a fool would say, There is no God. People like that are worthless, they are heartless and cruel, and never do right. Verse 2. From heaven, The Lord looks down to see if anyone is wise enough to search for him. I'd like to repeat that. Psalm 14, verse 1 and 2. Only a fool would say there is no God. People like that are worthless. They are heartless and cruel. And never do right. From heaven, the Lord looks down to see if anyone is wise enough to search for him. Immediately, you see the contrast between a fool or foolish person and a wise person. That in the first verse, It talks about what a fool would say. And in the second verse, it talks about what wisdom does. So we will begin here with verse 1, an analysis on a fool or profiling a fool. According to this word, a fool is identified by what he says, what comes out of the mouth. King James Version talks about the fool that said in his heart or from his heart, there is no God. And the Bible describes that person as a fool. Now, with that in mind, we understand that there are different types of fools discussed in the Bible. And in order to understand this one, we need to understand what the Bible talks about in other places. A good example of that is Matthew 5 and 22. If you could find Matthew 5 and 22 in the New Testament, you get another example from the teachings of Jesus on something about a fool and foolishness. Now here's what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 22, and really let's begin at verse 21. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said To those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. 
Now, there's a lot of misunderstanding about this teaching of Jesus. First of all, bear in mind, it is in the Sermon on the Mount. That's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Also understand, it is basic training for disciples. He has pulled his 12 disciples apart from the crowd, and he gives them Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Matthew 5 dealing primarily with the attitude of a person who follows the Lord. So when you read this, there's a lot of controversy because people don't seem to understand what he's teaching. He says, going back to verse 21, you have heard. But then if you look at verse 22, he says, but I say. Can you say after me, please? You have heard. Now say, but I say. So clearly, he is drawing a line in history between what these people have heard in the past and what he is bringing to them now. Now, these are Jewish people. Because they are Jewish people, he is explaining to them some of the teachings of Judaism and how they are to now live that he, the Messiah, has come. Now, that's important to understand this. He said, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. So, regardless of what you have heard in the past, Jesus said, this is the heart of God. What I'm about to tell you is what you need to be more focused on. So, you go back to the top of verse 21. You have heard that it was said by those or to those of old, you shall not murder. Now, you know that from the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. But what you also know is that when we talk about killing, there are various forms of killing. Some killing is done on the battlefield. And in the Old Testament, God repeatedly ordered Israel to go into battle because there were lands and there were possessions that he wanted them to have. So when he says thou shall not kill, he was not saying all killing. Because if he were, he would have never ordered them into battle. Then there is a killing which is in self-defense. That the Bible stands by the person that is defending themselves. And if they kill the person in defense of their own life, then that is not considered killing. Then there is death that happens by accident. Two men are wrestling or tussling or playing or pushing one another back and forth and one accidentally falls back and hits his head and dies. That's a killing, but it is not in the same category. That's why Jesus said, you've heard it said, you shall not murder because murder has to do with the intent of the heart. Would you say that? The intent? Come on. Of the heart. Please say it again. The intent of the heart. Let's say it with our best voices. The intent of the heart. You see, the intention of the heart has so much to do with how things are interpreted. So he said, you've heard it said, you shall not murder. And whosoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. What judgment is he talking about? He's talking about the judgment amongst the Jews. 
He's talking about being brought into court after being arrested in Israel and you go before the judge. He is not talking about the judgment that's coming up at the end of the age when all of us will stand before God. He's talking very specifically to them about here's what you have been told. It has been said you shall not murder and whoever's murder, whoever murders is in danger of being brought before judgment. So he's talking about something going on in that day and time. He said, but I say to you, whoever is angry, again, the intent of the heart, where the heart is, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. There he's talking about a different judgment. He's talking about God's judgment. The first judgment, he's talking about Jewish court. The second judgment, he's talking about God's judgment in the moral court. Also, he says, but I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without cause, meaning that there are different types of anger. He is not saying that all anger is wrong. He's saying that if you are mad with your brother, you got a chip on your shoulder, you're just angry and upset all the time, and you ain't got no reason to be mad with me. He said, if you're not careful, you are going to be examined on that when you get to the judgment. You cannot live with an angry attitude. And he's saying to them, listen, if you're mad with your brother without cause or angry without cause, Paul teaches, be angry, but sin not. You see, you can be angry and still not commit a sin. You can be angry, I wish I had a little help, and still control yourself. Anybody who lets that anger lead them is going to eventually do something wrong. I've been angry, but I control myself. Anybody else here with me? But I have also been angry and temporarily got out of control. Because it feels good when you're mad to get out of control. But the Lord is warning about the heart. That's why we get to the bottom of verse 22. He says, and whoever says to his brother, Raka. Now, Raka is a term we don't have any definition for. But it was a bad thing to say to another person. It was cussing them out, huh? It was calling them out of their name, huh? It was saying something to another person that was a threat or of a threatening nature. Therefore, he said, he's still saying, you have heard it said, whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. What council is that? The Sanhedrin council that was in Israel. But whoever says, you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Now he is dealing specifically there with what you heard as Jews, what you have heard, what you have been taught since you were children. He is not saying to us as believers, you're in danger of hell fire. He is saying that's what they taught you growing up as Jews. 
growing up as Jews, you were taught if you say Raka, you're going to be brought before the Sanhedrin Council. And if you call anybody a fool, you're in danger of hell fire. He is reviewing what they were taught when they were growing up. He is not banning the word fool. He is not saying if you call somebody a fool, you are going to hell. He is not saying that using the word fool will suspend your salvation. He's not saying that using the word fool is against God's law. He is saying to them, to the people he is addressing, this is what you were taught. And he goes on to let them know that what I am saying to you is, it's not the overt action that you need to worry about. It's where your heart is. That's why you hear him say things later on in this. Remember, he said, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, if lust is in your heart, the adultery is committed. He's moving everything from the activity to the attitude. How many in here know today that you have to watch your attitude? How many in here know and understand sometimes it's not what we do or say, it's the spirit that we do it in. That really matters. And sometimes people will do nice things for the wrong reason. And sometimes people will do something that they say is innocent, but the spirit in which they did it in is not only threatening, but it's offensive. So we're not banning the use of the word fool. That's not what he's saying. But that is something that the word is focused on in the Sermon on the Mount. Look at Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus, teaching again, brings up a fool. He talks about a fool. He says in verse number 13, Luke 12, 13. Luke 12, 13. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. And the word says that Jesus said, Man, who made me a judge and arbitrator over you? In other words, Jesus is saying, Don't pull me into your family business. I wish people understood that today. God don't get involved in your family business and don't try to pull me in your family business. He said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. Would you say covetousness, church? See, that's an attitude of the heart. Covetousness is, I want what you have. I want, I want it. I don't want you to have it. I want it. See, jealousy is not, I want what you have. Jealousy is, you got something, and I don't like you having it. But covetousness is, I wish that was mine. So for one's life does not consist of the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable unto them. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself. He thought where, everybody? Within himself, saying, oh, what shall I do since I have no room for my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, 
So you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, somebody say, but God said. Yeah, God said, fool, this night your soul would be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Here is a fool that has no acknowledgement for God. Now he used seed that God provided through nature. He used land that God allowed him to own and have rights to and possession of. He used his energy and his wisdom. He used God's sunlight and God's rain and got a bumper crop that year. But as soon as he harvested his big crop, he didn't think about God. He didn't praise the Lord. He didn't think about honoring God. And he did not think about his community. He didn't think about his fellow man. What did he say? Look at what I got. I, 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 I don't have enough room for all of this. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my old barn. And build me a bigger barn. You would think that the guy would say, well, now that I fill my barn up, I'm going to just give the rest of it away. I'm going to call on some of the widows in the community. I'm going to call on some of the orphans in the community. I'm going to go down to the shelters in the community. I'm going to open up a, a giveaway so that those who are hungry can be fed. But he didn't say that. He said, this is mine. I'm going to get all I can and can all I get. And nobody else is going to share in it. Everybody's going to ride by and look at my brand new, bigger, beautiful barn. And God called him a fool. I wish I had a witness here. Don't you know where your blessings come from? Don't you know that it's God that gives you health and strength? To get up in the morning and start your day? Don't you know that there are millions of folk that wish they could be in church today? But they're in nursing homes. They're in hospital beds. A lot of them are in jail. They'd trade places with you if they could. And we're not here because we've been so law-abiding. I wish I had a witness. We're not here because we've been so good. We're not here because we've taken care of our health that well. It's all by the grace of God. And God said, since I give you added breathe, since I give you energy and strength, since I provide an income for you, don't take all you get from me and try to build up something for yourself. Remember where your blessings come from. And remember that the more you give to others, the more I'll give to you. But it's a fool that takes everything that God gave him and will jug it down in his own pocket. That's an old Tuscaloosa word. Jug it down in your pocket. Listen, we've got to remember that it is God that is our keeper. I wish I had a witness. And God is our provider. So we got two kinds of fools. Psalm 14 and 1 said one fool is the kind that said there is no God. And the other fool is the kind that does not acknowledge God as the source of his life. Because to not acknowledge God is the same as saying there ain't no God. 
I wish I had a witness. Not everybody who calls on, the, on God is going to be saved because there are people that would try to use God to make themselves rich. God is not against us being wealthy. The Bible said, I give you power to get wealth. But he is against us being rich where we've got it all for ourselves and we have no acknowledgement for him. Now, when he says, when Jesus said, whoever said, you fool, he's talking about being malicious. He's talking about slander. He's talking about anger and rage. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Don't we see that everywhere we look today? Right now, there's a movement that's refreshed itself again. To take in God we trust off of our money. Well, in God we trust has only been on the money about 60 years. Really, it was 1957 when they started putting the phrase, in God we trust on the money. They did it then when Eisenhower was president because they feared that America was headed in a godless direction. And the idea was that we need to be reminded that America is supposed to be a nation that trusts in God. But ever so often, somebody who thinks that they're smarter than everybody else will come up and say, that's a violation of church and state. I don't have a witness. Understanding the true nature of church and state from back when the Constitution was written and the Bill of Rights had to do with England and the queen or king of England have an influence over all governmental matters. And because the people who came over here in the 13 original colonies, most of them had some British heritage, they didn't want to have that type of activity over here. You see, the queen of England is not like some big monarch or emperor. The queen is actually over the church. She's over the Anglican Church or the Church of England. And being over the Anglican Church, she has authority, but it comes down from a religious perspective, not a political perspective. The man that drives, a woman that drives the government in England is the prime minister. But understand that over here in North America, they didn't want to have that same kind of system. So they said, we're going to separate the political side, the state, the government from the church. The problem with that kind of thinking is the church can always go in prayer. And prayer can always invoke the will of God in what happens in the government. I wish I had a witness. The truth is it don't matter so much who's president as long as Jesus is Lord. Because it's the Lordship of Christ that's always going to override whoever's sitting in the White House. Even if the man or woman in the White House has a mind to drive this country to hell, they don't have the last word. We elect a president every four years, but I ain't never voted on Jesus. He was king when I showed up. He's been king all of my life. And whenever I lay myself down to die, he'll still be king. 
You don't vote on him. You don't elect him. You don't select him. You don't politic for him. You don't make speeches for him. He is Lord. Madeline Murray O'Hare found that out. Madeline Murray O'Hare and her son led in getting prayer out of the public schools. And so in the early 1960s, she drove this movement because before then, children would gather for school every morning and they'd bow their heads and say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I wish I had a witness. They said the pledge of allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. But they would also say, Our Father, who art in heaven. Madeline Murray O'Hare didn't want that. And so she and her son led a fight that was successful all the way up to the Supreme Court. But before too long, her son got saved. I wish I had a witness. The same boy that she used because she complained that they were forcing him to pray. Somebody should have told Madeline, you can't force nobody to pray. Saying words doesn't equal prayer. Prayer has to come from the heart. And the truth is, just because you make an oration or read a statement or say something like, our Father who art in heaven, that don't make a prayer. And at the same time, if you stop me from saying it, you still can't stop me from praying. Because I can pray with my mouth shut. I'm looking for some help. I can pray when you say prayer is illegal. I'm sitting in that classroom praying all the time. Because you can't stop God's child from praying. He can get a prayer through sitting in a classroom where you said no prayer. He can get a prayer through in a courthouse when they don't want you to talk. He can get a prayer through driving along the highway on their way to work. You can't stop a child of God from praying. They can pray while pushing a lawnmower. I wish I had a witness. They can pray while washing the dishes. They can pray while scrubbing the floor. They can pray while while sitting in the bleachers at a ball game. You can't stop God's children from talking to their God. I got a cell phone. It's always communicating with the tower. It's always in touch with the tower. When you send me a text message, if my phone is on silent, I can get the message, but no sound was ever made. Sometimes I have to send God a text message. I can't get loud. I can't open my mouth. But thank God that he can read my heart. So in school, your child is taking evolution. They want them to believe Darwin's theory. Man came from primates. Uh, and they call creation intelligent design. But understand that you can't kill God. Take him out of the textbook. You won't kill him. Take him out of the curriculum. You won't kill him. Take the Ten Commandments away. Take the Lord's prayer out. God is still God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Well, the next verse says, but wise people 
search for God. Now listen, the fool is identified by what he says, but the wise person is identified by what they do. They search for God. When I was growing up in the junior choir, we used to sing that song, I kept on searching, kept on searching, kept on searching till I found him. Anybody remember that? Say, he changed my heart so I could live right. Changed my walk so I could walk right. Changed my talk so I could talk right. Let me hear you say yes. Let me hear you say yes. Let me hear you say yes. I found the king of kings. Well, what is the search for God? What is the search for God? Well, God is invisible. We don't search for him like they searched for the Wizard of Oz. Found out that it was a little man behind the curtain. We don't search for God like prospectors digging for gold. We don't search for God like mariners on a ship looking for buried treasure. We find God in the invisible. And we know we found him by what we feel and by what he changes. God, I wish I had a witness. What am I missing without God? I pity the person that doesn't know the need to search for God. You miss so much. You miss Psalm 23 benefits. Anybody remember that? The Lord is my shepherd. What? I shall not want. You miss the benefit of living a want-free life. You miss the still waters and the green pastures. I'm looking for a witness here. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Isn't it interesting, ladies, that a woman will run from a mouse, but she'll trust God when trouble comes into her family. I wish I had a witness. See, if a woman ran from trouble, the way she ran from a mouse, a man couldn't have a wife because she'd be gone. You're going to have trouble. But we learn how to search for God in the midst of our trouble. You miss Psalm 103 benefits. Anybody remember that? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. He heals all your diseases. I wish I had a witness. He forgives all of your iniquities. He redeems your life from destruction and renews your youth like the eagle. Those benefits are what we find on our search for God. Those that live without God with a foolish heart miss Romans 8 benefits. Romans 8 said, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Hey, you can try to judge me, but you can't condemn me. 
I'm in Christ. Say what you want to say. Point at me all you want. But the truth is, ain't no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Then Romans 8 said, not only no condemnation, no alienation. For it said that because we are in Christ, the Bible teaches in Romans 8 that we are one with him. But then not only no condemnation, no alienation, but no frustration. What does Romans 8 say? Come on. For we know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. But then we also not only have no condemnation, no alienation, no frustration, but no separation. What does Romans 8 say? Who can separate us from the love of God? Not peril, not strife, not hard times. I'm convinced in all these things. You know, when you're, when you're on your search for God, you look for him in every situation. Now, I feel sorry for some folk that say, well, God is good when things are good, but the devil is busy when things are bad. I want you to know it don't matter how busy the devil is. Children of God can find God in everything. Oh, I've been hired on jobs. I praise the Lord. God was there. Hallelujah. I've been fired off jobs. I praise the Lord. Because when I look back on it, I saw that God was there too. See, God is not just there when things are going good for you. God is there at all times. He's there when the doctor says he doesn't know what to do for you. He's there when your money runs out. He's there when your energy is out. He's there when you want to throw your own children out on the street because they're getting on your last nerve. He is there when you got all kinds of issues going on in your life. God never leaves us alone. Now, y'all should have shouted right there. Well, you didn't know what I was going to say. You know I'm going to say it. Now, let me see here. God never leaves us alone. See, y'all got to get a little more instant in your response. Because when you hear something good about God, you ought to say amen. Or you ought to say that's right. Or you ought to say show enough. Or you ought to say thank you Jesus. Or you ought to say hallelujah. Because that doubles down on what I said. Let me try it one more time. I said, God never leaves us alone. When you watch CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, Fox News, keep your Bible close by. I wish I had a little help here. You see, because God ain't just working when the employment rate is up. He's working when it's down. See, God likes to show up and show out. 
But if it ain't no hard times, he doesn't get to show himself mighty. God, I wish I had a witness. Listen, you wonder why we go through so many changes in life? It's because God wants you to know I'm right here. I'm here when you're smiling and I'm here when you're crying. I'm here when you feel good and I'm here when you feel bad. I'm here when everything in life seems like heaven and I'm here when everything seems like it's hell. But I'm still here. I love that about him, don't you? You can't lose him. You can't lose him. Cry all you want, but you can't lose him. Now, most people in this room, if you cry too much, they're going to stop being around you. They get tired of that whining. I don't want to hear that anymore. I told you now, you need to come on up. But listen, God is right there. He's closer to me when I'm going through than he is when everything is working my way. I said God is. I said God is. I can't say he was because he is. I can't say he will be because he is. I can't say he ought to be because he is. Is there a God? Well, the design of creation says there's a God. You know, the universe is still behaving the same way it always has. There's still planets in the solar system. None of them have fallen away. God is real. There's still stars in the sky. And as many that fall into the earth's atmosphere, they still pepper the night sky. I said, God is. The creation says God is because the planets still revolve around the sun. And the earth where we live is still on schedule. The seasons change on schedule. Summer never comes behind winter. Winter never comes behind spring. I said, the seasons change on time. Right now, you're getting out sweaters getting ready for the fall and you're getting prepared for when it comes out because seasons change on schedule. You go to the department store in October, you find winter clothes for sale for December and January. You would think that they would wait until the season changed before they put out seasonal clothes, but even retailers know that the schedule for the earth never changes. The design of creation says, yes, God is real. The water says he's real. The land says he's real. God made man out of the dust of the earth. That says that he's real. Nature says, yes, God is real. Science says, yes, God is real. History says, yes, God is real. And those who are wise search for him in every circumstance. You know, I'm getting through here. You better come on. When Jesus was born, people searched for him. Bible said the night he was born, shepherds searched for him. Two years later, when he was a little boy living in a house, wise men 
from the Orient searched for him. When Jesus was scheduled to die, people were searching for him. The word of God says that some Greeks came through a festival where Jesus was and said to Philip, we want to see Jesus. When Philip told Jesus, the Bible said he knew that the time for him to go to the cross had come because one of the signs was that the earth or the world would seek him. They searched for him. You know, he died on the cross. I said he died on the cross. And after he died, people searched for him. The Bible said Mary, Magdalene, his mother Mary, and the other, Salome, they all came looking for him. They searched for him. I said the shepherds searched. The wise men searched. The Greeks searched. The women searched. And all of them found him alive. You know, you'll never find him dead. Anytime you search for him, you're going to find him alive. Somebody said that God was dead. I heard it on television not too long ago. They said God is dead. Now, if God is dead, I don't understand. First of all, I don't understand when did he die? Because I didn't get a telegram. I didn't get an email. I didn't get a phone call. And you always notify the children when a parent dies. Nobody told me that he was dead. And nobody told me where the funeral was. I said, God is not dead. Somebody said, well, I know that God is dead because look at the chaos in the world. But I want you to know if God wasn't alive, the chaos would be worse than it is. He is the one that tells nature, you've reigned long enough. Don't flood the Carolinas anymore. He is the one in the summertime that tells the sun it's hot enough. Don't burn people to death. I said God is still alive. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call him while he's near. And if God is dead, tell me who is it that's answering my prayers. Because somebody's answering my prayers. Somebody is making a way when the way is not made. Somebody is opening doors when men close them in my face. Somebody is closing doors where there's a trap on the other side. Somebody is giving me food to eat. Somebody is putting breath in my body. Somebody is giving me water when I'm thirsty. Somebody is healing my body. Somebody, somebody is taking care of me. And I want you to know he is alive. The Lord is my light 
and my salvation. He is alive. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. He is alive. You know what you ought to do? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the carver. I said make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Every usher ought to make a joyful noise. Every deacon ought to make a joyful noise. Every deaconess ought to make a joyful noise. Every singer ought to make a joyful noise. Every woman ought to make a joyful noise. Every man ought to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All, all ye lands serve. with gladness is anybody glad are you glad he gave you one more time are you glad he woke you up this morning are you glad that he started you on your way are you glad he's been with you in bereavement in sickness in unemployment in trouble are you glad can't nobody do me like Jesus <laughs> can't nobody do me like the Lord Everybody say hallelujah anyhow hallelujah anyhow he's real I want you to shake somebody's hand tell them neighbor God is real tell them the way I know he's real I can feel him I see his works. He's been watching over me. He's real. Oh, oh. God is real. Come on, stand up.